Good morning. Bob, I'd let you preach if you want to. Uh, you do a wonderful job. All of our elders do. and We want you to know how much we appreciate you, Bob, but all of our elders and the work that they do. Many of you know how tirelessly they work. Many of you know the burdens that they bear. Oftentimes the elders, oftentimes the complaint department, oftentimes the, the budgeters, oftentimes many things, and we appreciate them and love so much them and their efforts and their work and the time that they spend, and we want to continue to lift them up in prayer as we appreciate them uh, praying for us. We've got several visitors in our midst today. We're grateful that you're with us as well. Uh, if you're looking for a church home, you won't find a better group of people than meet here at the Saudi Church of Christ. We're a little partial to them, of course, but uh, we love when you're here on Sunday morning. That's a wonderful thing, but we have so many other good efforts that are going on, so many other good works, things that you can be a part of that we'd love for you to inquire if you're interested about joining us here because we love it. We love the people, we love working together, we love trying to further the kingdom in this particular area of the world. We're thankful so much for this congregation, and we're thankful that you've come our way this morning if you're visiting with us. Uh, again, don't plan to be here tonight. Don't forget, we'll try to put the sign up this afternoon or this morning, uh, but we hope that you can be with us at North Hamilton. We do love our brothers and sisters there as well, and look forward always to our time of singing with them as we go through that several times during the year. I would ask for you too, uh, Gary mentioned it very briefly, to pray for our young people. If you've got a moment this morning or this afternoon as they will be taking a test uh, for the Bible Bowl this afternoon over the book of Luke. Uh, it'll be 100 questions for some of the older kids, 60 questions for some of the younger ones. Uh, this is simply just a chance for them to earn an award for their knowledge, how much they've learned as we've been studying Luke since really the end of last year, uh, the last quarter or so of last year and so far. They'll take the test today, but then they will still have a month or so as we begin to really uh, get ready and prepare for the last leaders conference that'll come up uh, there towards the middle of April. And so we want to encourage them in that. As we did last year, if you can be with us next Sunday, I'd like for us to begin in March looking at the book of Luke. As a congregation, it would encourage them. They'll be done with the test, but they'll still be preparing for the actual Bible Bowl, the competition. Uh, and it will help us as we try to encourage them to think about the many good things that come from the book of Luke. Uh, I had a hard time trying to narrow it down just to even eight or nine or ten sermons next month when you think about a.m. and p.m. services because there's so much there. And so we want to encourage them that way, and we hope that you can be with us as we begin that next month, Lord willing. What are you doing here? Last uh, few weeks ago, uh, several of us had an opportunity to attend the Great Smoky Mountain Marriage Retreat up in Pigeon Forge, and one of the speakers, in talking about marriage and talking about communication, of course, and the importance of that between a husband and a wife, talked about the idea of communication of the words that we use. But not only that, if you've been married for any length of time, you understand that tone is important, that inflection is important and we can take a phrase a question as simple as this and say what are you doing here and it takes on a little bit of a different meaning maybe it's an unexpected person what are you doing here maybe it's an unexpected place what are you doing here and we can kind of change the meaning of that question as we ask it in different forms or again use different uh, idea different inflection in our voices but i ask you this morning to begin what are you doing here you say, preacher, I'm here to sing. 
a little this morning. We've done that. We've sung some songs together. I'm here to take the Lord's Supper. We do that every first day of the week. So I'm here to help and to, to do that. I'm here for worship services. That's why I'm here this morning. We would be thankful that you've chosen to be here as we worship together. I'm here, preacher, to listen to you maybe talk a little longer than, frankly, I'd like for you to talk sometimes. That's why I'm here. And fair enough. I will share this with you. I, I enjoy listening to other preachers and, and things as I prepare lessons and get some other ideas and see how other preachers, uh, you know, present ideas from time to time. I found one by our brother Eric Owens, who preaches down at the Avondale congregation around Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, and the file that I could listen to was an hour and one minute. So I don't know if that scares you or makes you happy or thankful, whatever. But here you go. So uh, we'll try to do it in less time than that. But uh, when we think about, I'm here to listen to the preacher. Okay, that may be part of it as well. But this morning, what are you doing here? Have you considered the Lord's sacrifice? Have you considered the sacrifice that Christ made on the cross? Have you considered the words of our song? I mean, if, if you're honest, and I'm honest, if I ask you if you forget sometimes the song that we sang 10 minutes ago, I'll be honest and raise my hand that I've been there from time to time. That our minds are filled with other things and we don't pay attention to the words, we don't think about the songs, and within 10 minutes we've forgotten some of the songs that we've sung. But have you considered the words enough to remember what we've been doing this morning? Where has your focus been? I hope that when you enter those doors or whatever door you enter into the building on Sunday morning, on the first day of the week, that you are interested in worshiping God. How great He is and deserving of our worship. The first thing we would notice this morning that when we talk about worship, the goal of worship is to praise God. It's to please Him. Psalm 95 and verses 1 through 5. Oh, come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving and make a joyful noise unto him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God, a great king above all gods. And in his hand are the deep places of the earth. The strength of the hills is his also. The sea is his. He made it and his hands form the dry land. Psalm 29 in verses 1 through 4. Give unto the Lord, O ye mighty. Give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. The voice of the Lord is upon the waters. The God or the God of glory thundereth. The Lord is upon many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. Psalm 148 verses 1 through 5. Praise ye the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord from the heavens. Praise Him in the heights. Praise ye Him, all His angels. Praise ye Him, all His hosts. Praise ye Him, sun and moon, all ye stars of light. Praise Him, ye heaven of heavens, and ye waters that be above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for He commanded, and they were created. Jeremiah 32 and verse 17, Ah, ah, Lord God! Behold, that thou hast made the heaven and the earth by thy great power and stretched out arm, and there is nothing too hard for thee. Everyone knows John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but, the world, but that the world through him might be saved. 
Acts chapter 17 and verse number 24 and 25. God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands, neither is worshipped with men's hands, as though he needed anything, seeing that he giveth to all life and breath and all things. Psalm 150 and verse number 6, Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. Worship is praise to Him, to this great God that we serve that has done all of these things, that has created all of this, that has created you and me, that loves us enough to put us here to take care of us, to send His only begotten Son, who is not worshipped with men's hands, but He gives life to all of us. Yes, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. This great God who we can know and serve and love. The goal of our worship should be to praise Him, to please Him in all of these things. I would even go so far as to say this morning that worship is not something that is done for you by someone. Think for just a moment as we consider worship this morning, you can go to many other places, many other church buildings, not only in Saudi Daisy but around the world, and worship is treated as something that is done for you. And it's done for you by someone else who may be standing on the stage. But that's not worship is meant to be. Worship is meant to be done by you for someone. That's what worship is meant to be. Your worship, not for me, not for the elders, but our worship is meant to be done by us for someone. And of course, that someone is God. We are here to worship Him. The word that is most often used in the Greek language, in the original language in the New Testament, is proskuneo. It literally means to kiss toward. That's the word for worship. When you read worship in your New Testament, John 4, and we'll get there in a minute, and other places, it literally means to kiss toward. Or I've heard a preacher say to blow a kiss, if you will, towards God, to worship Him. You may recall in Matthew chapter 2 and verse number 2 as Jesus is being born in that story or that account of Jesus being born. Matthew records for us that wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to proskuneo to kiss toward to worship him. That's what we are here for this morning. Worship is an invitation into the presence of divinity. Worship is an opportunity to commune with God. If you've got your Bibles, look in John chapter 4 for just a moment. That is one of the main places that we turn to when we consider this idea of worship. But before Jesus utters that phrase that we know so well in John 4, 24, in John 4, 23, Jesus says, For the Father is Seeking such to worship Him. God is longing for, He is seeking for such. For people who would worship Him. So I ask you again, and I'll ask you again later. What are you doing here? When we think about worship, it helps us sometimes to consider what, has, takes, what takes place in the Bible. Not just in the New Testament, although we do live under the New Covenant, but even in the Old Testament. Many people across the ages have offered worship to God and properly worshipped Him. We go all the way back to the Garden, and specifically just after the Garden of Eden. In Genesis chapter 4, the first 
worship that takes place there that we read about in Cain and Abel. There is pleasure, right, in Abel's Abel's sacrifice. There is displeasure. So we begin to get a formation of the idea of worship in our minds that sometimes God is pleased because we're doing the right thing, and other times he may be displeased as he is displeased with the sacrifice that Cain offers, which, of course, we know then causes him to murder his brother. There are altars throughout the Old Testament. I think we talked about that at homecoming this past year. The idea of the altars that were built. If you have time, read Leviticus chapters 1 through 6. It's a lot to kind of take in. But there, the the writer is describing these altars and the offerings that are going to take place. Why does God take six chapters to describe the importance of these offerings and of the altars that they're going to be offered upon? There are specific instructions when it comes to our worship and our worship to him. We think about other New Testament, or excuse me, Old Testament examples. What about the tabernacle? In Exodus chapters 25 through 27, we see the description for Moses and the children of Israel of what the tabernacle was to be. Our young people are shuddering at the essence of that after we went through that last year in Bible Bowl and remembering all the ornaments and the lengths of things and what it was made out of. And all of that is difficult to remember. One Sunday afternoon, we simply wrote on the board all the different lengths of things and where it went and how it was supposed to go and what it was supposed to be made of. It's a lot. But why would God spend so much time in this ornate, detailed, involved tent? That's all it was. You've seen the pictures. We don't know exactly, but, but all the descriptions and the, the pictures that we have that we show our kids in Bible class, a tent. A tent for his people. A tent where he could come and commune with them. God says to them there in those chapters, again, Exodus 25 through 27, make it according to the pattern. I've given it to you. I've told you what I expect, what I want. Make this tent, this movable tent, to the pattern, and then I can come and be with you. It's important. These details are important. These instructions are important because there is a place. This is going to be the place where God will come and commune with his people. We go forward a little bit and that immovable or that movable tent becomes an immovable structure. It becomes a permanent structure in the temple. Solomon builds it. You can read about it in 1 Kings chapter 6, chapter 6 through 8. 1 Kings chapter 6 through 8 and you can read of all of the things that are involved. I would use the same words, ornate, intricate, detailed. God spends time describing these things Because the temple is the place where God was worshipped. He wants to be with his people. In the Garden of Eden, he wanted to be with his people. He was with his people. As the people are then kicked out of the garden because of their sin, he creates these other forms of worship. The sacrifices, the tabernacle, the temple. And yes, we even come all the way forward and we think about the church. Jesus came to this earth. Why would God send his only begotten son? Jesus came to this earth so that we could have access back to God. What a better way for God to say that I want to be with you than to send his son to make it possible. In John chapter 14 in verse number 6, do you remember the words of Jesus? You know them. I am the way, the truth, and the life. How, does, how do we come to the Father? How, how is it that we can access God? No one comes to the Father but by me, Jesus says. The church today is where we can worship him. I don't mean this building. I mean the people. I mean the folks that come together. When we assemble together, we could do it right here. 
We can do it out there on that hillside. We can do it down here on the road. We can do it anywhere. But when the church comes together, we can worship Him. In 1 Peter chapter 2, in verses 5 and 9, we read that all Christians are priests and can come to Him and offer up a spiritual sacrifice. You see, we know about the Jews. If you weren't of the tribe of Levi, Levi if you weren't a Levite, if you weren't a priest, you're just kind of out of luck. As far as worship comes, they're offering it on your behalf, but you can't be there. You're not a Levite. You're not a priest. But when we continue to see the story move forward through the New Testament, we think about this idea that we are all priests now. That Christ has torn down the middle wall. That Christ has offered the sacrifice once and for all. And we are all priests if we are Christians and we can offer up a spiritual sacrifice. We can worship Him. That's why we come here and I ask you again, what are you doing here? Unfortunately, this morning, it would help for us to touch on the fact that there are often problems with our worship. I mean, we mess up. We're not perfect. And this morning, we want to consider for just a moment one chain reaction that can happen sometimes. One chain reaction that can happen to us when we're trying to worship, but we're not doing so in the correct manner. It begins with improper attitudes. I'll share a few with you, but improper attitudes. Now, I'm not talking about our actions. And in fact, when I consider an hour-long sermon, I can see how you can get there if you're trying to, to gather all of worship into one sermon. So this morning, we're not going to discuss the various avenues. We sometimes call them the five acts of worship. We don't have time this morning to get into all that. I'm talking about our attitudes. Guess what? Elders can't answer for you there. Preacher can't answer for you there. Preacher's got to answer for himself. Have I had the right attitude in worship this morning? But sometimes it is our attitudes, what we can control. One of those things is formalism. We might call it formalism. Formalism exists when worshipers just superficially go through the outward form of rituals and practice in worship with neither sincerity nor genuine feeling from the heart about what is being done. It's very easy for us sometimes to fall prey to formalism as an improper attitude. We show up, we know the form, and we just simply sit there and go through the motions. But not only formalism, another improper attitude sometimes is apathy. Apathy. You know, sometimes we can see that on people's faces. We can tell when maybe they're not quite engaged, when they're not really thinking about what's going on. Maybe they're apathetic to what is taking place. Sometimes, in the sense of apathy, we're here out of a sense of duty. We say, well, we know we're supposed to be here, and so I'll go show up. I'll check my box for my hour on Sunday morning, and, and I should be good for a while. Sometimes we're here because of tradition. Well, you know, my grandparents always went. They always took me, so maybe I should go too. It's really just an hour. It's not much compared to what I do the rest of the week. But we're just really apathetic to the purpose of coming. When I ask, what are you doing here? The answer is, well, I'm, I don't really know, don't really care. I'm just here because I know that I'm supposed to be here. Sometimes in connection with that, thirdly, it's hypocritical. One of the proper, improper attitudes we have is we're hypocritical about things. You know, we stand here, I stand here some Sundays and say, we want you here. We want you here. We want the building to be full. We want you to be present at 1025 on Sunday morning. That's true. But if you're, not going, if you're going to be here on Sunday morning and then spend Sunday afternoon through Saturday living a completely different, different message, living in total opposition to what you did on Sunday morning, then I don't know that we want you here. 
And it doesn't matter what I want. I don't know that God wants you here. If you'd be hypocritical about the way that you are on Sunday morning for an hour and the rest of the week. We see this principle even in the Old Testament. In Micah chapter 6 and verses 6 through 8. Micah says through the, through the Lord there. Wherewith shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before the high God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves of a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams or with ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? And then it goes on to verse 8, which many have heard before. He hath showed thee, O man, what is good. And what doth the Lord require of thee but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God? Thousands of rams, 10,000 rivers of oil, thousands of hours sitting here in these pews. Doesn't do a bit of good if we're not willing to do these other things, to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with God. You see, sometimes the improper attitude we take is of being a hypocrite. I'm thankful that you're here. I truly am. I think that when a person shows up and walks in those doors, they're showing a, a bit of good faith. They're showing a bit of action to be here. But we're having improper attitude. We do when we stop at that and then go about our lives the way we want to. We must be active even after 1130 on Sunday mornings. But the chain reaction that we were touching on is improper attitudes that are then followed up by faulty solutions. Improper attitudes sometimes lead to faulty solutions. You see, we're looking for a quick fix instead of the root cause. And that's a problem sometimes for preachers. It's a problem sometimes for elders. There's 130, there's 120, and there's 110, then there's 100, and there's 90. And we go, wait a minute, we've got to stop the bleeding. What are we going to do? Well, it must be the worship. Let's take a look at the worship. Rather than get to the root cause of either the preaching or the teaching or the people that have stopped coming, we say, we'll make a quick fix. And so a couple of the faulty solutions that we sometimes institute is one of those is emotionalism. Now, it's hard to find the balance between formalism and emotionalism. But we can find that. We go from formalism to emotionalism. Congregations go from putting your heart and soul into worship to lights, camera, action sometimes in worship. They go from one extreme to the other. They say, well, if it's too formal, we'll just get a little more exciting or a little more emotional. And maybe it's lights. Maybe it's big sound. Maybe it's something that draws the attention of people. But we get back to this idea that then we take the worship away from something done by us for someone as something that people do for us. The song leader or the people who are leading singing need to get a little more entertaining. We need to pick peppier songs. The preacher needs to be a little more excited sometimes. We look for these quick fixes and we come up with faulty solutions. Another sometimes faulty solution, of course, is spontaneity. Well, we'll just allow us to be guided by the moment. We won't really have an order of service. We'll just decide what makes us feel good in the moment. We'll just see what comes over us. And that's just a dangerous thing to be a part of sometimes. We must be careful in our worship that it is focused unto him. We're going to talk about answers here in just a moment as we conclude. But as Jesus tells that Samaritan woman at the well in John chapter 4 and verse number 24, the verse that we know very well, God wants to be worshipped. As a spirit, he is a spirit, and he wants to be worshipped in spirit and in truth. So I ask, what are you doing here? Not only this morning, of course, but hopefully tonight or in the coming Sundays, 
As you go through your life, what are you doing here? What are you doing as we think about worshiping him? Well, if those are some of the problems and even the solutions, faulty solutions, let's talk about some answers and the lesson will be yours. Number one, preparation. You know, as I was thinking about these three answers, I I couldn't help but draw from these Old Testament examples that we talked about. What do we say about the tabernacle and what do we say about the temple? Multiple chapters of detailed instructions. There was preparation. Let me ask you, do you ever consider worship before you get to worship? Do you ever consider worship before you walk through those doors? Again, if you're like me, and I wasn't always a preacher, so I've been there in that sense. I know I'm preparing for Sunday morning as I have to preach, but, but if I'm being honest, yeah, there's sometimes I was. And there are other times I hadn't even thought about it. Saturday was very busy and, you know, Sunday's coming, so we'll get up and go. But I didn't think much about it. Do you make any preparations? I heard a preacher say recently, not much happens on Sunday sometimes. Not much happens on Sunday because too much happens on Saturday. Sometimes we're very busy. I understand that. Sometimes there's football games on. Sometimes there's things to do. But the hard truth is, Worship doesn't happen by accident. It just doesn't. The song leader's got to put time in, pick out songs. Hopefully the people who are leading prayer think about what they're going to say. Hopefully even you men who serve on the Lord's table realize you're doing it, number one. And then you consider maybe what you might do or pray for as you think about leading us in worship. But worship doesn't happen by accident. It takes preparation. Worship begins in our hearts, not on our lips. We become so focused on 10.25 to 11.30 that we forget about preparation. The children of Israel had to be prepared to worship God. They didn't walk up on the side of the mountain and say, Whoa, look, there's an altar just out of nowhere. God just made it and it just happened. I can now worship Him. They made preparation. They gathered the materials. They did the things. We can worship God the same way. We should worship God the same way by making preparation. Number two. Somewhat connected, but in a similar way, we have to make plans. God has always given instructions. I wouldn't talk about so much the preparation here, but the plans that go into our worship. I realize you may not have control over the order of songs. You may not have control of the order of service. You may not be able to do those things. But the question is this morning, is your worship acceptable to God? Remember in John 4, in verse number 23, God is seeking who? Or whom? God is seeking true worshipers. That's who he's after. Not people just to show up and fill the seats. People that have a plan. And yeah, you don't pick out the songs. You don't control the order of service. But have you made a plan in considering what is going to take place? It's on our elders. It's on those who are involved with planning the worship somewhat when it comes to planning. But you can help as well. As you think about what you are doing and how you can interact in our worship. And then third and finally this morning, be proactive. What's the answer to the faulty problems, the faulty attitudes, the improper attitudes we have? The solution is, or the answer is, the proper solution is, be proactive. We have to be proactive. Remember what we said at the beginning, worship is something that you do. It is not done for you. It doesn't matter who's standing up here, me or someone else. If you show up and plan to sit there and have it done for you, then you have the improper attitude and you will not be worshiping God in spirit and in truth. We need to be proactive and not reactive. We need you here. You need to be here. 
Yes, but not if you're going to sit there and take up space only. Not if you have no interest. Not if you have no interest in worshiping the God of heaven. Worship is our, our opportunity to tell God what we think of him. Sing. Sing the words. I get you may not like your voice. You may not think you sing the best. But sing the words. Focus on what we're doing. Listen to the prayers that are being prayed. Study from the word. Open up and follow along. Focus and pay attention and listen and study. Be active. Proactive. And we are here worshiping together. Simply put, worship is a verb. Worship is a verb. It's an action. Now, yeah, I mean, literally in the sense of English or Greek, the way that we talk, it's a verb, but it's an action. And we see it all throughout the Bible. Do you remember when Abraham went to offer up Isaac? Going to offer up his son because God told him to do that. Abraham said, well, stop here before we go up and the lad and I will go worship. We'll go take place in this action. Do you remember the Ethiopian nobleman in Acts chapter 8? It was said of him that he had come to Jerusalem to proskuneo, to kiss toward God, to worship. And Paul, even in Acts chapter 24, had gone to Jerusalem to worship, to be active, to do something, to kiss toward God, to praise him. What are you doing here, even this morning? In Revelation chapter 4 and verse number 11, the Bible says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. As you place your Bibles aside, if you would, and we prepare to extend heaven's invitation, if I could be really honest with you for just a moment, I've struggled all week with this lesson I've struggled all week with what to say this morning. I have. You can ask Charles what time I sent him my PowerPoint for this morning. It was a little later than he's asked for me to send it to him. Okay, I've struggled a little bit with what to say. I wasn't sure. I didn't feel that I have the adequate words or that I know enough or that I can put those words to where you can understand them enough to describe the importance of worship, of our worship to him. This is our offering This is our offering to Him, our spiritual sacrifice. This is our time of praise, our time to praise Him. This is our chance to tell Him how thankful we are, how great He is, and how much we love Him. It is from 1025 to 1130 every first day of the week, and that can't begin to be described in just a few moments, what we should be doing here. And we have to understand that He has always desired He has always desired to have this chance to commune with his people, to have this open interaction. We have to set aside our attitudes, our improper attitudes and our faulty solutions. And we have to worship him in spirit and in truth. We must be prepared and we must be active in our worship to him. God is seeking true worshipers. But understand this morning, as we conclude that true worshipers, are those people who are a child of God, who have access to the Father through a relationship, a relationship with His Son. Have you been added to the church by God? Through obedience to His plan of salvation, the way has been made available to all, male and female, slave and free, Jew and Greek. The way has been made available to all who would hear the Word, believe it, repent of sin, confess Jesus as Lord and be baptized for the remission of sins. Maybe 
This morning, you're not able to worship properly because you, as a Christian, there's sin in your life that separates you from God. There's sin in your life that you need to get rid of. Through confession, repentance, and prayer, the way home is made available for you as well. Maybe you're here this morning and you're in need of prayers of this great congregation. Prayers of encouragement from this good group of people who would encourage you to do the right thing, to be restored. Would you consider heaven's invitation as we stand together and as we sing?